0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fun Boat Diplomacy podcast. Uh, Sorry, this episode is a day late. I just got back from Israel yesterday, and I'll be talking about that in this episode. I had all week off because of a combination of university holidays and a Christian holiday, All Saints Day. I'm not exactly sure what All Saints Day is, but... All I knew is that I had the days off, and so a, few, a couple of weeks ago, uh, so two weeks ago, I went on Ryanair, so, uh, Ryanair is a budget airline here in Europe, I went on their website and checked out some flights from Wrocław, from the city I'm living in here in Poland, and I found round-trip flights to Tel Aviv for $50, so I wasn't going to let that opportunity slip by, I just bought the ticket and said I would figure it out from there and uh, if anything, if I couldn't figure out anything, I could just go and hang out at the beach. That's good enough for me. I'm missing the beach. I've been away from California for for a couple of months now and it's it's uh, it's difficult without just going and hanging out in the sun and sand and getting in the water. So uh, I did end up doing that, but I did a lot more than I thought I actually would. So I flew on Monday and arrived in the evening in Tel Aviv, and uh, it was interesting to me that this, uh, this guy at the the airport uh, he stopped me and, and, and asked me all these questions about my the purpose of my visit and this and that before I even got to the the security gate um, the the border control. So I thought that was interesting already, and I had already heard about uh, the. Uh, intrusive security and in israel but uh but i, I got it immediately off uh, getting off the plane and then at uh, at the border they asked pretty much the same questions but um, and i had heard that if you wanted to go to different arab countries that you should ask for a separate uh, a separate entry uh, visa uh, but that was something that they just i think they've recently done is just uh, made that standard issue so they just give you this little slip of paper that's your that's your visa that lets you stay in Israel so it's not stamped in your passport so so that uh, if you go to a different if you go to an Arab country they won't ask too many questions Um, and from there I just took a bus it's actually really easy to get around it's a small country and I just took a bus took about 40-45 minutes to get to Jerusalem and, and a little bit of an explanation of Jerusalem, I have, I'll, I'll try to do my best, I'm, I'm no expert at it, but I did learn about it while I was there. So Jerusalem is right on the border with the West Bank, which is considered, it's it's all under Israeli control, but the West Bank is considered uh, more, it's a Palestinian area, as as uh, dictated by uh, border agreements, but uh, Jerusalem—I I looked it up on Wikipedia before even going. Jerusalem is not really—it's not really clear um, who exactly it belongs to. It is, as I said, administered by the Israelis, and uh, also government bodies of the State of Israel exist in uh, Jerusalem, but it's 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 like how it's it's a little bit like how it was before the establishment of the state of israel everybody seems to live side by side uh in rough terms um so the city itself the old city which is uh, has so much history and it it's split up into four quadrants <laughs> yeah for those of you who uh who watch Rick and Morty, you know why I'm laughing. But anyway, there's the four quadrants, there are sections of the districts of the city. There's the Armenian district, the Jewish district, the Muslim district, and the Christian district. And the story goes that uh, the Armenians were the first to adopt Christianity, so in Jerusalem they got their own little section. And then for the other, the three major religions, they all have their own Sort of sphere of influence, places that they live. But you, you'll, you'll see, in the old city and elsewhere, that Arabs, Jews, Christians, uh, they'll they'll all be going to the same shops and uh, and really interacting. And that's that's really that was really interesting to see. But anyway, I arrived and made my way to my hostel, which is right in front of the Damascus Gate, and it's a really historical gate that was. First built around, well, as far as I know, the Romans had already had it as as a gate into the city. But then it was built, uh, the current gate was built on top of that by the Ottoman sultan in about 1500. And so it's a really historic spot, and I was staying about 50 uh, yards away from it and it was pretty nice. I I actually didn't have a bed, I I had a reservation but they didn't set this bed aside for me, they had sold out the entire place and so I got to stay for free my first night uh, sleeping on the couch in the common room, which was totally okay. I'm very flexible and that's just more money in my pocket. So the first thing I did was I stepped outside to go get something to eat and uh, this guy out at uh, this uh, little kiosk, uh, waved at me and said, "Welcome to Palestine," which it was. It confused me because at that point I wasn't sure about the status of of the city of Jerusalem. But um, in a way, he's right. Um, I walked over then to a shawarma place and got this huge wrap that, uh, for those of you who have had mission style burritos in San Francisco, it was kind of like that, but. The, it's not a tortilla it's just it's the, the, this thick flatbread that oh my god it was just so good. It has this really chewy texture and the meat it had just amazing spices and they had they, they put hummus in it and uh, all this all this all these vegetables and it was so big that first of all I haven't had any uh, kebabs or charmmers that were this big and with this much meat and so I had, I guess, a third of it for dinner and then the next day for breakfast I took a couple bites of that and went out walking around the city and then I had it again, the rest of it for lunch so that was about $4 for three small meals. Amazing. Just <laughs> I went back to that place a couple times but the food on the street where my hostel was just had Amazing, amazing food. Um, I didn't have to go far at all to get good food. Um, and then, so I walked around the old city around 11 midnight, and it was there was nobody but cats. It was just me walking around and cats looking at me like, who's this Chinaman who's walking around Jerusalem right now by himself? It's really funny. They're really suspicious. They're all... Uh, what happened was they... They were brought over by the British when the British came in 1917, so they are in Jerusalem really famous, but only for the past hundred years. So it's really interesting. And I, I was walking around, wandering, just going around this, the little alleys and streets of the old old uh, city, and I ended up wandering to the stumbled upon the uh, Church of Holy sepulcher i think that's how you say it but that's uh allegedly the spot where where jesus was crucified and then that's where his uh his tomb is and so i walked in there and i thought it was pretty normal i guess that people would be praying there uh it was really deep into the night so i thought that was kind of weird but it was really special actually um to see all these people coming to pray and uh... going to the different spots went inside of the church um, to pay their respects and then go to the tomb and uh... and pay their respects directly to jesus christ and it just had a really amazing atmosphere at night so there's there uh... these folks walking around with incense and ringing bells and it just had this i'm not a christian or any i'm, I'm not religious at all myself but it did feel like uh a long legacy, a long tradition here, and then I ended up learning later that this place is actually closed uh, pretty much every night. This was a special night, and not a lot of people get to see the church at night. It was for the All Saints' Day um, holiday, and people were coming to do their their Christian activities, I don't know how else to put it. but. But yeah, that's the, the first thing I did was experience this very special place in, in Christianity uh, in a very personal and not very touristy way, because I walked by the same church um, a couple times during the day, and it's just so crowded, just with tourists and tour groups and people doing their their Christian thing. It's it's the last stop of the uh, Via della Rosa, which is um, the path that Jesus took when he carried the cross uh, in Jerusalem, and then finally was crucified at that spot. So you can imagine how crowded it was. So the next day, I uh, I walked through the uh, Damascus Gate again, and and did indeed see all these people uh, carrying the carrying the cross and following Jesus's path and. Uh, it was kind of weird, but kind of cool to see at the same time. And instead of going to the section uh, of the church, I went to the Western Wall, which is a really holy spot for uh, Jews because uh, the Temple Mount, which is on the in the Muslim area, is not accessible by Jews. But it's also a holy spot for for the Jews. Um, as well as the Christians, but they can't get to there. So the Western Wall divides, uh, separates the Jews away from the Temple Mount, and it's the wall uh, at which the Jews can get the closest to the Temple Mount. And so they, they, when you get there, it's just amazing. You see all these people right up against the wall, uh, praying and reading the Torah and rocking back and forth and putting prayers into the wall, and then it's separated between. Men and women, and then so I walked in. The men have to wear yarmulkes, so I have a little souvenir of a white yarmulke from the Western Wall. And then there's this weird, <laughs> this weird wooden platform tunnel sort of thing that goes up above, and then into the Western Wall. And I was really curious what that was. I later on, found out that that's you have to wait in line for hours and hours and hours. To be a tourist, to go inside, and pass actually to the Temple Mount, uh, and that's the only uh, it's like seven to ten, and then one to three, I think that, uh, visitors that aren't Muslims are allowed, to, uh, to to access the Temple Mount, and and Jews and Christians are not allowed to pray there. They're not allowed to do any sort of religious thing there. It's a really touchy subject. It's really weird, just a really weird situation. So I just walked around a bit and then <clears throat> went back to my hostel because I had woken up at like 8 in the morning to go take a nap at the hostel. And when I woke up, I was just playing on my phone. And uh, I haven't used this function a lot on the Couchsurfing app, but I went on the Couchsurfing app and hit uh, the Hangout option. And what it does is it uh, it shows people that... Uh, you want to do something, you're in the area and you want to do something, so I s- hit the Hangout app that I'm available and that I want to go get something to eat and moments later uh, this German girl got back to me and uh, I-, I said that I'm staying at a place near Damascus Gate and she said, oh so am I, I'm at Palm Hostel, where are you? I was like, I'm also at Palm Hostel and so we went to the common area and had a coffee together and uh, and or in and tea, and, and uh, she said that she had uh, linked up also with an, uh, a local Arab guy who was offering to take us by car around Jerusalem. So I said, That's yeah, for yeah, sure. I didn't have any other plans, I was planning to go up to the Mount of Olives, uh, I didn't know how to do that. But uh, if this guy was gonna drive, we ended up. Driving up to the Mount of Olives, which is right outside of the old city of Jerusalem, on a hill, um, and we watch the sunset. There's really incredible, incredible sunset to see. Um, and so you're on on top of the hill, and you look down, and there's this huge uh, cemetery, Jewish cemetery, and on the other side is the Muslim cemetery. It's just very, very important, very sacred spot uh, for all religions involved. And then he took us to this modern shopping area, which is really <laughs> weird, a weird just, juxtaposition between everything that I've seen that's so ancient, and then this really really modern chic uh, sort of outdoor open-air mall. Uh, but then after that we went to go get shawarma at his favorite place, and it's, it was really cool. He, he knew all the people there, and uh, everyone was just really friendly, we were listening to Syrian music. and uh... that shawarma of course I ate half and the other half was another meal to be had the next day but what ended up happening was the next day um, that German girl she was um, she was going to be taking a bus down to Masada and the Dead Sea so she invited me to go with we got up early and went to this, uh, this bakery next door grabbed hummus and falafels and got these really cool pastries they're like I want to call them pizza pockets because this was kind of like a it's kind of like a calzone light, like a little croissant looking thing, but it was like a a pizza folded over and really 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 amazing dough. Uh, So just dipping that in the hummus was just so great. And we went we made our way to the central station and took a bus south. So we uh, took it through. uh, We went on the highway and then very quickly you pass through the separating wall and you pass into the west bank which is Palestine proper and you see these on the one hand settlements so these are Jewish uh, Jewish uh, neighborhoods essentially built up in, in the west bank and they're walled off and they're like very green really really fancy modern houses and then that's that's on the one hand, and on the other hand, you see these these shacks that are where Palestinians live. Like uh, they have cities, for, of course, in, in the West Bank and Palestinian areas. But it it was really jarring to see that there are Palestinians who live in this way, um, in basically uh, sheet metal stacked on top of. Uh, in, into like a, a squ- uh, square shape and that's where they live. They have maybe a donkey, they have maybe a water tank and it's just this such, and in the middle of the desert in such uh, such poverty, it's, it's really strange and a little bit unnerving to see. And every time you pass through to the, uh, to the settlements, you pass through this checkpoint, a soldier will open up the checkpoint for the bus to pass through. Sometimes soldiers will get on the bus and do a, do a run-by and take a look. Um, but yeah, it was this really just kind of strange, a strange trip through, a uh, quick trip through through the West Bank. And then after you pass through, you come down from the hill, uh, the hills that uh, Jerusalem's like kind of up in higher elevation. You come down the hilly, ter- hilly uh, terrain and then you get down below sea level into the to the flat desert around the black uh, the, the the Dead Sea, uh, and that stretches from the West Bank through back uh, it's into the southern part of Israel, and then in the distance you see uh, the lands of uh, of Jordan visible on the other side of the of the Dead Sea and so first, uh, after zipping around a couple settlements uh, we went to Masada and Masada was a fortress, it's uh, it's up it's sort of like a mesa, if you know what that is, like a elevated flat piece of mountain in the desert uh, and so the, the eastern side of that, the side that you uh, you end up approaching is 400 meters high and Back in the day, around Ro- during Roman times, um, it's where 960 Jewish rebels resisted a Roman siege until the Romans finally broke through, but they found them all dead and allegedly they committed mass suicide. Uh, that's still a bit hazy, the evidence about that, but uh, it, it is an important uh, part of Jewish history. And it's, uh, it's something that I learned about a whole decade ago, back in high school, back in military history class, and I just thought it was a really fascinating, iconic uh, uh, battle in ancient history. And the view from the top is amazing. It really it reminded me of Arizona. I mean, if you can imagine this big body of water in the middle of the desert, but uh, I imagined that it's uh, roughly how it feels like to be Maybe at the Grand Canyon with all the cliffs and layers of settlement, but uh, sediment, but certainly uh, had a sort of southwest feel, Southwest American feel. Um, and then after that we so we hiked down and we took a bus to the Dead Sea. and this is a top top destination, I tell you, it's, I didn't even expect to be going there um, during this trip, but it was truly amazing we went to so there's a i think it's called Engedi. ingedi is uh, is where most people go and then we went a little bit more south to enbokek which is and it also has a sort of resort feel but off to the side there's a public beach and the dead sea is just it it, it, it feels like a warm pool the water it's, it feels like you're in a warm pool there's no waves and uh, and the sun keeps it toasty well you're in it and then when you stand up or get out the desert breeze keeps you cool and if you reach out reach your hand to the bottom you can like scoop out it's handfuls of Dead Sea salt it's really amazing like people pay good money for it uh, outside of Israel around the world and I was just sitting there in the water scooping out handfuls of it and these big granules and and it it really reminded me of my time while I was in berlin doing the sensory deprivation tank because it also the sensory deprivation tank is also you're in a tank of salted water and you float and it's just so warm and you stop if you're if you're in the water for long enough you in the dead sea you're just staring up into the blue sky it's just so so relaxing but you stop feeling your body and you get really just totally relaxed you don't have to worry about floating or anything because uh, the salt and elevation just uh, keeps you from from sinking. You can't you can't sink if you wanted to. It's just really a weird dynamic. Yeah, if you try to swim, it, it feels like there's a there's this pressure pushing up up against your chest. So it it, it felt like you're always on sort of a flotation device. Uh, just very unique, very unique place. And we got back and uh, just had something to eat and relaxed and uh, the next day uh, had a walk around uh, the old city of Jerusalem one more time and then I took a bus to Tel Aviv and when I arrived at the, the, the bus station in Tel Aviv is so confusing and uh, and frankly ugly it, it, it really feels like being stuck on a level in a video game is the closest thing I can like it too the, the exits aren't very well marked and and you I was just walking back and forth trying to fight find the right floor to get out and just it's really messy but I ended up making it to my hostel and uh, I got there at like 1 and I saw that there was a free walking tour uh, at two so I dropped off my my shit and then went and uh, joined the walking tour of Jaffa and uh, so the way Tel Aviv is, is Tel Aviv itself is really new that's the northern part of the city and Jaffa is the southern part that is that's where I was staying and it's the old ancient uh, city that it has, it has a lot of history, it's a port city and uh, the history includes uh, the history of ancient Greece uh, Napoleon Napoleon did conquer Jaffa back in the, in the 1800s, and, uh, and also Mark Twain was, was there at some point. He, it seems like Mark Twain has been everywhere, like living in San Francisco and, and Lake Tahoe, and, and now in Israel, uh, I hear stories of Mark Twain, he's, he's, it seems like he's everywhere. I, I should probably look into uh, learning a bit more about Mark Twain's history. Uh, seems like a fascinating dude um, And all in all it Tel Aviv seems like a great place to live. It has a lot of interesting shops the street art is really really cool. Uh, the restaurants seem really really nice and then there's the beach and uh, the beach is my original reason for going to Israel It was to escape the cold in Poland and it it did not disappoint at all. The beach was about a 10 minute walk from my hostel. And I spent most of my time sunbathing and diving into the waves of the Mediterranean. And uh, I really wanted to savor it, you know, because I don't know when I'll be able to go to the beach again. Uh, I I really miss it. I really miss going. uh, When I was living in uh, California, I could always uh, rely on, at some point, going to the beach and relaxing in the sun. and um, So... I I really just wanted to enjoy that and on my last morning I went to the beach and I went and enjoyed the sun and the sand and the waves again before heading to the airport and what follows is uh, <laughs> might be one of the most stressful hours and a half in my life uh, so here's the story uh, I make my way to the train station no problems so just take a bus from the coastal area where I was a little bit in to the train station and I checked the timetable so the next train to the airport was uh, at this time so okay I got uh, on the train that arrived at that time uh, with about two hours before uh, my flight so great the ride was smooth actually the weather was nice I was relaxed uh, and then <laughs> everything was going fine. We were on the right path. And then I checked Google Maps. And I noticed that the train was veering south. Off of the little blue path. And away from the airport. So I was like, fuck me. Alright, I'll get off at the next station. And I'll, just, I'll just take it back and and uh, and try again. So I, I got off at the next station. It was this little town called Lod. And it really felt like the middle of nowhere, There's just a few buildings and a highway in the desert and not a lot of people around. And I, I went and checked the timetable. So the good news was that the train went straight to the airport. The bad news was it was coming in an hour. And on top of that, uh, when I arrived uh, I would have to take the shuttle to get to Terminal One, which would be another five to ten minutes. And so the time was really tight, so I exited the station and looked for a taxi because I really needed to get to the airport and get all my shit sorted and check uh, checked in and uh, get through security and everything. There was only one taxi, and it was a, it's a really really sh- uh, shabby looking taxi stop and. It's just one dude, and he, I said, hey, can you get me to Terminal One of the airport? And he says he's asking for eighty shekels, which is about how much would that be? Let me take a look. Eighty shekels. It's like the opposite of Polish zloty, so I have to. It's not a difficult conversion. I just have to. So it's like twenty-two dollars for a ten-minute ride, which I would have paid, but I only had forty shekels. And there was no ATM around, so he just sort of shrugged his shoulders, and he drove off. He was gone. My only uh, potential ticket to get to the airport quick. He was gone. So I'm like, oh, fuck. So I grabbed my bags, and I walked back into the station, and the, the people there were so kind. They they let me re-enter. They um, beat me back in, and then they, uh, they, they were consulting each other about how um the how I should get to the airport, the best way I should get to the airport and at this point I was panicking and I, I'm there with just the whole station it seemed like was shouting at, at each other trying to uh, <laughs> sort out the best way for me to get to the airport like no, he should take a taxi no, we'll call a taxi wait, he doesn't have enough money he should take the bus, but when he gets to or take the take the train but like when he when he gets there, he won't have enough time and then it and so finally, I just I had to wait and I got on the train and the station there's a station worker who actually accompanied me along the way they actually called ahead and said look this kid is in a hurry when he gets to the station uh, you should just let him through the gate no questions and this guy came with me as well and uh, I, I got off the train and I rushed to get to the shuttle stop and when I arrived at the boarding pass check I, I clearly looked uh, in a, a heightened stressed state so they actually they communicated up and down the checkpoints along the airport to let everyone know that I was in a hurry. So first they uh, they 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 took my boarding pass and then they checked my passport. <laughs> they asked me why I'd been to Morocco, why I'd been to Turkey, and who I knew in these countries. And I was like, "Come on, guys, just let me." So like they they rushed me through. They're actually really helpful, and then I moved on to security, and this is. Israeli airport security so this I mean it was faster than TSA but it was for sure a little more uh... thorough than TSA so they examined every little piece of metal I had they like, looked at my camera lenses, my external chargers, my tablet they're like swiping it for bomb residue uh... they even noticed my small can opener, they have this little tiny folding can opener in my wallet um, and they even pulled that out, and the whole time they're insist- insisting there's they're really calm, and they insisted that I would make it. I'm like oh and, uh, my my breath was really short, and I finally got to my gate. my mouth was all dry, and I could hardly breathe and uh, i I just was barely able to tell the woman at the counter that I was on the next the, that that flight to Rosev, and she beat my uh my boarding pass and I ran down to the bus to that, that takes me to the plane and I got on there and there was a few people sitting around there's a guy playing flamenco on his classical guitar which was, was like one of those weird movie moments but meanwhile it was one of these weird movie moments inside of already a weird movie moments that I was experiencing in the past hour and a half and uh, I checked the time it was 1.14 the flight was at 1.20, uh, and uh, when I checked uh, the time, the door shut, and the next day I know I'm sitting in my aisle seat on the flight that I was sure I was going to miss. And I couldn't believe, just I couldn't believe that I actually made it onto the plane. I felt so lucky, and when I landed, I met up with my friends to have some drinks later in the evening and the whole night, it just felt like I was in an alternate reality where I actually did catch my flight, and somewhere there's the real reality where there's me and I didn't catch my flight, and I'll never know what that would have been like, what kind of potential adventures I would have uh, gone on. And The next Ryanair flight was in three days, so I would have had to figure something out, spent a bunch of money on the next ticket, spent a bunch of money on accommodation and food, and Israel's not... It's not the most uh, expensive country, but it's not the cheapest either um, compared to Poland. So maybe it would have been a lot more adventurous. But it's it's kind of like in a psychedelic experience when you're you know you're coming down from the trip and you just expect it to be over soon so you can relax and rest. So it would have been a whole other situation to uh, to have missed my flight and had to get back into the mindset of being on a trip. So um, so yeah, it was you now know all about my trip to Israel and the harrowing situation that that capped off the end of it, and uh, yeah, it was truly amazing, and I would really like to go back at some point. the The flights are not expensive from my city here in Poland, so uh, if anything, just to go to the beach. But next time I go, probably I'll want to uh, visit Haifa, which is in northern. Coastal city as well. Uh, Apparently, a really different feel from from the places I did visit, and uh, and would like also to go to the Sea of Galilee, which is where Jesus walked on water. So that's pretty cool. I think the cooler part is the Golan Heights, which is you can go up to the top of this hill on the other side, and um, it was captured from from Syria uh, back in the day. So you can on the top of the hill. Uh, on the bunker, as you can see, uh, into Syria. So that'd be something I'd like to take a look at, and uh, I think Nazarethism in, in that area as well in the north. That's where Jesus was born, right? Yeah, that, that goes to show how much I know about Christianity. So, um, but yeah, I, I I hope you've enjoyed the the story today, story time with me today. Yeah, uh, next week there should be another guest, but. Uh, I might also put out a, another episode with just me telling stories. That, I don't know. Uh, I might have topics from school that I'm going to discuss on the show. Who knows? Uh, next week's episode should come out on time, on Friday. And until next week, thanks for listening to the Fun Boat Diplomacy podcast. <laughs>